0: June 2nd, 2019 The Nats actually played well for a week 20-year-old Juan Soto is playing like a teenager again With the offense finally clicking, it's time to ask Where would this team be without its bullpen weighing it down? Plus, with the Nats signing bullpen reinforcements in venters in Rodney It's time to talk about Craig Kimbrell again from Bethesda, Maryland, it's Jacob Rash. From Boston, Massachusetts, it's Johnny Rash. This is the RashCast with Jake and John. Hi there, and welcome to the RashCast with Jake and John. I'm Jake.
1: And I'm Johnny.
0: So since the last time we've recorded, the Nats have gone 4-2. and two. They've won one game against the Marlins. They swept the Braves in a two-game set. They have so far gone one and one against the Reds with the rubber game coming up today. It's Scherzer versus Sonny Gray. So I'm sure the Nats will take an early lead, and Scherzer will pitch well, only for the bullpen to blow it.
1: Yeah. I mean, so Sonny Gray has been better this year, um, too, so it might maybe they won't take an early lead. <laughs> but the way the offense has been playing this year, uh, the, I mean, re- not this year, but recently, um, you know, maybe we will. We've been hitting the ball a lot better. That, Over the past week or two,
0: that is true. Um, We've got really s- several hot hitters.
1: Yeah, and since I mean, since the lineup has come back pretty much healthy, uh, it's been it's been working. Um, you had you finally had Juan Soto um, start to put together the season that we thought he would, um, and it's been a really interesting development with him um, so far. Especially, um, you know, in the last two weeks he's been hitting. 420 with a eight hundred slugging percentage. That's uh very good over a two week stretch. He had that thirteen game hitting streak snapped yesterday or fourteen game? It's thirteen. Thirteen game hitting streak snapped yesterday, but um he's still, you know, doing very well for himself. Um uh, four home runs, eleven RBI, uh Interestingly, though, over the stretch he's not walking as much—only 10% walk well, rate. Well, that's still but above th-
0: average. It's just—it's
1: still above average, and I think it's a lot because he's putting the ball in play a lot more.
0: He is. Uh, I mean, and he's got a 486 BABIP over that time period, which suggests obviously some regression. You don't expect a guy to hit 420 over the course of a season, but uh, I mean, it's still a promising development that Soto has looked a lot more like Soto of last year.
1: Yeah. I mean, his his stats are back up to where they were last year. He just, I mean, just finished his 162 his first full 162 games, and you look at those numbers for if they were in a season, and that's like MVP levels right there, or close to it. Um, and it's funny because they're you know without the counting stats, you know the averages and stuff like that, are very similar to what his season averages were last year. Right. So he's a I think you know this 292 type hitter. Um, you know who could be a 300, 400 500 type guy is what Juan Soto is, and that's very good. There
0: was a, a stat that the Nats were pushing yesterday about how Soto was the first player with in his first 162 games with a hundred runs, 100 RBIs, a 100 walks, uh, or no, no it was it was 22 plus home runs. No, no, never mind, I had it right. 100 <laughs> RBIs, 100 runs. 100 walks before the age of 22, in his first 162 games since Ted Williams, uh, and I don't know. They're they're very obviously that status is cherry picked and it doesn't mean anything. Uh, but it is cool to hear Juan Soto in the same breath as Ted Williams, despite the fact that they are very different players approach-wise. Ted Williams yeah. being famously too stubborn to ever hit the ball to the opposite field, even when the entire uh, defense was shifted towards the right side. Uh, whereas Soto is excellent at hitting the ball to the opposite field, but mm-hmm. also Ted Williams, obviously being a much better player. Uh,
1: well, yeah. Um, so it was interesting. You know, you, you want to look at reasons why Juan Soto's kind of changed and you kind of look at, you can look at what he's doing. Um, offensively with his approach. Uh, It seemed to be earlier in the season that he was, you know, flustered by the many off speed in the zone that he received and the such low number of fastballs he got. Um, You know, he only saw about 27% fastball uh, in the first stretch of the season. And it's still around that mark, which is typically low. And because of that, he was sitting, it looked like he was sitting off speed at least. Um, I'm not in his head, so I don't know, but, you could tell from his average on fastballs, it was down to 171, which for Juan Soto, who's such a good off-speed hitter, you, um, fastball hitter, you'd expect it to be higher. Uh, uh, last year, that was one of his best things; he was the best fastball hitter in baseball. Right. Uh, and it looks like he's started to change, his, and and because of that, you know, he that I think that led to a lot of his early struggles, and it's starting to turn a bit over the last two weeks stretch. He's now got his average up to three thirty-three on fastballs, but he's he's really driving the fastball now. Uh, before he was only slugging four hundred off of fastballs. He's now slugging eight seventy-five in the last two weeks. All four of his home runs coming off of fastball pitches. Um, so I think that's a part of the main change for him is his his approach, and now he's finally hitting the fastball again.
0: So you and you hear this saying a lot uh, when a hitter. Knows that he struggles with the off speed. Uh, he ends up in between, where he's looking for the off speed, but has to adjust for a fastball, and he can't hit either one of them. Uh, and I think that's what was happening with Soto. I think he was so conscious of the off speed that even if he wasn't sitting on an off speed pitch, you know, it made him super aggressive of of you know fastballs to the point where he wasn't swinging at good fastballs. He was just singing, swinging at any fastball he would see. Uh, and he was still in between on that off-speed pitch. But it's it's been better lately. Like, a lot better.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I know this is also a pretty small sample size, but he's also hitting the changeup very well over the last two weeks. Um, he's 8 for 11 off changeups. So that's a seven twenty two seven batting average. Um and before the stretch he was hitting 227 off of change ups so I think that comes with the change of approach if you're seeing the fastball better you're going to see the change up better too right um right. so I think that's a I think that's a good sign from Soto that he I, I thought this would happen soon um where he learned because he's such a smart hitter uh he's such a smart player that he 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 changed his approach he'd work on it and I think the results are finally coming through seeing what the work can do and I, I think this you know, he'll be able to avoid a sophomore slump this way because he's just such a good, natural
0: talent. I mean, to the league's credit, the league found a way to adjust in a way that's very difficult. It's not easy to train yourself to throw off speed pitches in the zone. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's not something that most pitchers like to do. Uh, But they adjusted, and Soto, I mean, you had to know that, that Juan Soto wasn't going to be, you know, completely stymied forever just by one adjustment. Uh, And, yeah, yeah, he figured it out.
1: Yeah. And I'm glad he figured it out so quickly. You know, you think it could take a season. It could take, you know, three, four months, but it took him a month and a half. And it's really, you know, turned his season around.
0: You know, you you Uh, look at a guy like Cody Bellinger, and, you know, Bellinger wasn't bad last year, but you would almost describe it as a sophomore slump after hitting mm -hmm. 43 homers as a rookie, You know, he he struggled somewhat and he had big weaknesses in his swing. You know, he has that big uppercut swing. He's very susceptible to uh, cutters inside and fastballs up and away. Uh, But the man has adjusted, you know, incredibly this season. uh, Yeah. But it took him a full season to sort of get there. And,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: you know, it's... Seems like it may not with Juan Soto, so...
1: Yeah, so that's that's good. And, um, you know, Juan Soto's hitting. You know, the rest of the lineup is hitting, too. And, you know, we, we've seen how this team's performed over the last week. Um, you know, sweeping the Braves is no easy feat. They're a good team. Uh, you know, playing good baseball, you know... Ish. You know, still with them, ish, with the mental errors. And, you know, even looking back at that Mets series... Things were good except for the bullpen.
0: <laughs> that I mean, that's sort of a uh, sort of a statement on the season that things have mm-hmm. been. I don't know if you could call things good except for the bullpen, but I mean, I don't think it's a stretch to say that this team would be at or above five hundred if the bullpen was merely mediocre instead of otherworldly bad. I mean, we yes. we thought that the bullpen was bad in April. They had a 595 ERA. In May, somehow, against all odds, they found a way to be even worse. They were at 811 for the month of May, which,
1: mm-hmm. uh,
0: unfortunately, mm-hmm. I have no way to look this up, but uh, at least quickly. Uh, but I'm pretty sure that an ERA over 8 for an entire month would be... Somewhere in the top 10 of worst months for a bullpen in history, uh, um, yeah, so it's, it's,
1: I'm sure, yeah, yes, yeah, so that's not good, <laughs> but you know,
0: <laughs> Trench, that's, that's not great, trenchant analysis there, John. That's why Thank you. you pay you the Thank big bucks,
1: exactly. Um, but you know, you look at the rest of the team, though, and you have to wonder, yeah, you said, you know, I think they'd be you know, in the thick of the race right now with a mostly mediocre bullpen, if they had a 2018 bullpen, even like in 2017, when we thought the bullpen was terrible, you know, we
0: didn't know the meaning we, of the word terrible.
1: We were so naive then.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, and we're still winning games.
1: Yeah. Um, but if we have one of those bullpen levels, I think this team, you know, maybe three games, four games over 500 right now, um, Still in the very much the thick of the NL East race. It's, I mean, you look at the Met series, those are four games that were lost because of the bullpen. You look at,
0: you know, eh, I mean, three games.
1: Three games. They
0: didn't lose the first, they lost the first one because of Corbin. But, you know, yeah, the point still holds.
1: Yeah. You, there's, there, you could count on, you know, your hands and feet the number of games we've lost this year because of the bullpen.
0: In this um, six and strat, six stretch the first 12 games of what i call the 38 game stretch where they had to go 24 and 14 they've gone six and six and they have had the lead in the eighth inning of 11 of 12 games or uh they have had the lead or excuse me that is misstated they've either they've been as close as one run within the top of the eighth inning of 11 of 12 of the games
1: just Friday night was the only one.
0: Just Friday night was the only one. They were within one in the eighth inning of the first game against the Mets. Second, third, fourth, yeah, uh, I mean, yes. And then they won the three. Anyway, the point is, they were all very winnable games that the bullpen took them very much out of.
1: Yeah, and it's it's a shame because I mean, you look at the team right now. I mean, this is season stats. You got Rendon hitting three twenty one. He's having. An, um, it would would be an MVP caliber season if it weren't for Christian Yelich and Cody Bellinger
0: and the, uh, and the twenty games he missed
1: I and mean, twenty games he missed. You look at Howie Kendrick, who's still doing very well. Who I, I mean, he hits the ball so hard every at bat. It's really incredible how hard he strikes at the ball. Um, Interestingly, you know,
0: he hasn't walked in two weeks.
1: That is interesting. He
0: hasn't played but, all that much either.
1: No, I think I mean. So this is my theory is that. And you could tell by the way they play him is that he just can't play he can play one of every two days three games a week. Right. Which, you know, a guy coming off a major Achilles injury. I never thought he'd come back from it personally. No. But it's um, you don't want to rush or risk anything more with him. And it's 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 fine. Yeah. You didn't he didn't he wasn't gonna come into the season as everyday second baseman. I don't think he expected that. And, you know, Dozier has been not good this year, but it's not like he is close. To, I mean, he's got an 80 WRC plus, which is not good. Um, but moving on from the bad because we want to focus on some good stuff. Um, I mean, Soto's now got his WRC plus up to 143. He's back to where he was his numbers last year. Um, 294, 539 slugging. He's almost at 300, 400, 500. Uh. And then, you know, so that's a lot of good things from the offense. Gerardo Parra. Uh, don't forget about Gary. Gerardo Gerard. Parra, yes. Um, I mean, and there's a lot of guys who, you know, Turner is still a little, I, he's still recovering from his finger injury. Um, and you can tell from the zap, sapped power that he has.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, where he, even he's got a 103 ISO over the last two weeks, which isn't terrible per se. Uh, it's not good. It's certainly not good, but I mean, even the even the extra base hits he's been getting, one of them was a roller down the right field line that he legged into a triple. Like he's just he's not really driving the ball. Uh, I mean, obviously we could pull up exit velocity stats to back this up, but we're not going to do that because exit velocity is dumb. Uh, Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's it's clear that he's not. I mean, it's clear from his defense as well. He's made six errors in the last two weeks that he's he's not right, but you know, I'd rather roll him out there until he gets right than go with you know Wilmer Defoe Wilmer or Carver Kipu.
1: Yeah. Um so yeah, so we haven't there's enough guys there who could, you know, carry an offense and they have been. Um also Jan Gomes has been hitting much better over the past two weeks. It's interesting when one guy go when one catcher goes right, the other one goes wrong. Yeah. And they kind of switch off, which is what you'd hope for. I mean, that's why you have two good catchers, right? And then you play the the hot hand, hand. right? Yeah, Uh,
0: Um, yeah. I mean, it's that's the problem, though. You know, they've been good enough in this stretch to have won ten games of twelve, and they've won six pretty much solely because of their bullpen. mm -hmm. Uh, You know, this this has been the best they've looked as a team so far in terms of. You know, all of their parts coming together. You know, they've been pitching reasonably well. Uh Yeah, at least the starters have, other than Corbin's awful. Corbin game had on two Friday. clunkers.
1: He had two. They had two clunkers sandwiched between uh, one good game sandwiched between the two clunkers. Well, I mean,
0: it was a really good game, but
1: it was a yeah, it was a very good game. Yeah. yeah. So the starting pitching has been good. Uh Strasburg's been great. Scherzer's been you know great. He's got a three, two, four year array. not. Indicative of his two and five record. Ridiculous! No, it's uh, not
0: even the two and five record. It's the two and ten record that the team's been putting up in Scherzer starts. It's just, uh huh. He's got an eleven seventy one bullpen ERA in games he starts. Yeah. Unbelievable. It is really unbelievable. I don't even know how you do that. It's almost like the team is sabotaging him intentionally.
1: Maybe they are. Yeah. Um. So. It all just points back to the bullpen, though. That's really it.
0: <laughs> I mean, yeah. Again, I don't know that this team is playing well. Sans bullpen, they still make far too many, like, just poor plays. Uh, make a lot of... I mean, it, I, I don't know if I would say it's a good team. Bullpen, accepted. But it. But it's certainly probably a mediocre team that probably except for the bullpen deserves to be over 500. Uh, yeah. And I just, you know, even, even if the team starts playing even better than they are, uh, you know, I, I just don't see them going anywhere with this bullpen. Uh, well, yeah. Which, well, I mean, they which have, would be a good segue they, yeah. to our next point, except I want to make one more point, which is uh, that, damn it. uh, you know, talking about this bullpen, uh, as James O'Hara on Twitter uh, pointed out, this bullpen has five pitchers in it whose ERAs are a run and a half worse than their career ERAs, which you know, something that I've always said was that this bullpen on paper was mediocre to, you know, bottom 10 in the league. But it wasn't apocalyptic, you know. It wasn't. It wasn't what it's been. Uh, and you know, at a certain point, you gotta find someone. I mean, it's it's when it's a system-wide problem, you know. You, you gotta find someone to blame, uh, and it's probably not each individual pitcher, you know, entirely.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, they tried doing that. They fired Littlequist and. And things did not get better. No, they did not. But, you know, the Nationals are trying to bring in reinforcements. They signed Johnny Venters earlier this week. Signed Fernando Rodney last night. Awesome.
0: I'm Um, so excited about the Fernando Rodney experience.
1: I'm also very excited for that.
0: I mean, the the Um, entire bullpen has been the Fernando Rodney experience on a bad day. So mm -hmm. we might as well bring in the actual Fernando Rodney to show him how it's done. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But there's one more reinforcement the Nats can bring in. Um, and it's someone we've talked about a lot this, you know, before the season started and has been in the news constantly uh, and in our thoughts always. Yes. And it's Craig Kimbrel.
0: <laughs> in our thoughts and our hopes and prayers.
1: Yes. Um, and it looks like Kim, Kimbrel uh, and Keikel are both going to sign tomorrow or tonight at, at 12 Well, or that's or the
0: speculation. I don't know if that's I believe it. That's speculation.
1: Yeah, I'm sure they have offers. So you know, if you don't know, it's because you know, people the the teams don't lose a draft pick if they sign a player after tonight at midnight. Um,
0: Man, so but that's such hot garbage for a reason. Not to sign Craig Campbell or Dallas Keuchel. We're talking about somewhere between a second and fifth round draft pick for these teams. Like there is not, it's not a very important pick. It is not like – it just makes no sense to me. I mean, these are not high-value picks. I mean, even a first-rounder for a guy of Craig Kimbrell's caliber, I I think we we vastly overestimate the potential of a draft pick. Mm -hmm. But it's just – this is ridiculous.
1: Yeah. I mean, from the – this is something I said earlier in the season, though, is that uh, I mean, I didn't think he would sign until June um, because teams are just so, so, you know... They, I think the media provided an outlet for teams to kind of make an excuse to not sign them. I mean, and then you saw Bob Nightingale today, you know, tweet about how, you know, they might not be... Teams are worried they're not going to be ready till July now. You know, and, you know, giving them another excuse not to sign... These players, they're probably um,
0: right. I mean, the, the teams are probably right that a guy signed midseason like this probably won't be ready, you know, for another couple of weeks or a month, and he probably mm-hmm. won't be very good when he comes in, just because no. he missed spring training, he missed all of the the things that get you ready for a season. He's coming in midstream when everyone else is in midseason form, but yeah, that that doesn't absolve anyone of like. You could have signed him at any point during this season.
1: Yeah. And, you know, a team like, you know, there's every team out there could use uh, Craig Kimbrell. Um, You know, maybe Sands Yankees. But, you know, you have, you know, the Cubs, who have been rumored a lot recently to be the team that would be in on him,
0: um, for really weird reasons. Yeah. because you know, um... if you if you didn't have access to the Ken Rosenthal article uh, in the Athletic about this, uh, the reason that is being given for their sudden financial flexibility, uh, they didn't have a, a, allegedly they didn't have the resources to sign Kimbrel before, but. Uh, Ben Zobrist has gone on the restricted list because he is going through a particularly nasty divorce with his wife, uh, and they anticipate that he might be on the restricted list for the entire season, which saves them eight million or so dollars that they can then put towards Craig Kimbrel, uh, which is just such a weird situation.
1: It is. Um, so yeah, a team like the Cubs could have used him throughout the season. I mean, they don't have a, a team... closer. They don't have a closer. Yeah, Morrow's out for indefinite. Um, Carl Edwards Jr. struggled uh, just throughout that bullpen. It's just not been that great. Um, you know, the Phillies could use him. The Braves could use him. The I mean, yeah, the list goes on of teams that could really use his services. And we're out here in June, June 2nd, and he's still unsigned. He'll sign maybe tomorrow, and then he won't be ready. It, it's just, it's just you know. Weird and bad that teams don't want to put the best team on the field that they can.
0: And listen, I mean, we we talk about that, and that is terrible. It is very bad for the game when teams are not willing to engage in good faith with the market and sign a player that can help them. Uh, But it's also, you know you look at, uh, the way that Craig Kimbrell and, you know, his, his team have played this, this is not going to help them get leverage here. You know, holding out as long as Kimbrell did helps no one. I mean, it, he's not going to be able to parlay this into a longer term deal than he would have gotten, you know, this offseason If he had, lowered his demands to three years and $40 which he was alleged to have done. Uh, But, I mean, if he had done that, I'm sure he would have been signed. Uh, You would expect that, you know, that's going to be more lucrative than the amount he's going to get for whatever half-season deal he gets this year. And assuming things go as expected and he doesn't pitch as well, uh, you know, what he would get next year. He, he might have, you know, he's played this sort of all wrong in a way that could impact his career in the future, uh, And which is a, such a shame because he was a, a guy who was on a Hall of Fame career path. Uh, mm-hmm. And this legitimately could derail that career, you know, or de- yeah. derail that path at least. Uh, yeah. And that's really upsetting because... You know, if Craig Campbell had been as good in the second half of his career as he was in the first, he might have had a pretty decent claim to best closer of all time.
1: Mm-hmm. And, it's a shame. And, and you worry about, you know, what happens in the future if the possible best closer of all time can't get signed in the, quote, age of bullpenning. I mean, I've said this before. You know, what, I mean, free agency looks like it's dying at an alarming rate with players taking these extensions, um, you know, in this Kimbrel and Keiko situation. Um, and it looks like players just aren't going to feel like they want to test the waters anymore because it's not worth it. And so you just wonder, you know, what happens to the players who do in the future.
0: I, I mean, know, I
1: don't not every Not everyone's going to sign an extension. Not every player is going to stay with the team they want to. You know, and there's a lot good with the free open market. You could drive prices up. You can improve your team in different ways that way. You don't have to do it by trade only. Um,
0: there are still and, going to be a lot of free agents, but they're going to not be the really high-quality free agents. The high-quality mm-hmm. free agents are going to sign extensions, mostly. Uh, the thing that, that you would look for is guys who are you know veteran role players, guys who are second-division starters, guys who are useful players. You know they're going to go to free agency, uh, and those
1: players also aren't signing. What you know, Gio Gonzalez took. He's one of those guys who's a useful role player for a team. You see how well he's doing this year for the Brewers, and he didn't. He signed that terrible deal with the Yankees, and you know, in March, and you, you there's a bunch of guys still out there. Denard Spann, a useful veteran presence. Well, Adam Jones. Who that's my took point. March.
0: That's that's what I'm saying. They're going to go to free agency. And teams are going to look at these useful players, and they're going to say, "I can get 80% of the production or 70% of the production for a sixth of the cost." And they're going to go the you know minor leaguer route, and the teams mm-hmm. are going to get worse, and these players are going to go unsigned, and they're not going to, you know, they're they're going to see their careers end, or they're going to have to take minor league deals, uh, and it's going to suck. I mean, if you look yeah. at even Gio Gonzalez. You know, Gio just went on the DL, or IL, excuse me, uh, with dead arm, which is exactly the kind of injury you would expect from a guy who didn't have a spring training. Because this mm-hmm. is essentially, right now, this is like his, the tail end of spring training for him. Like this is, yeah. a dead arm is an injury that happens basically at the end of spring training for a lot of players. And it's happening to Gio Gonzalez now. And that could, you know... I mean, Gio Gonzalez is not that old. Uh, but this kind of thing, you know, it's going to be hard to seeing him he, see him get another contract after this one. We're going to see a lot of players who are very useful players who can still play at a major league level get pushed out of the league way before mm-hmm. they should. And it's really sad.
1: Yeah, I mean... and. The funny thing is, you know, one of the, the team the best team in baseball this year bargain shopped and got, you know, a bunch of guys who were overlooked on the market and they managed to turn their I mean, they went from one of the worst teams in baseball last year to the best. And so it's definitely still a useful, you know
0: Yep. You can still, way of
1: building a team.
0: You can still build a winner with those second division free agents. Exactly. I don't know.
1: So but it's uh The state of baseball is not great at the moment. No, <laughs>
0: it, attendance is down. Uh, we don't you know, really have time to go into why that is, but you know, mm-hmm. my guess is that. just, you know, there are too many tanking teams, and people don't want to pay the outrageous prices to watch them. Yep. Uh, and you can and fix that by having them sign players that people have actually heard of, forcing them well, to try. Or also just
1: cutting costs of stadium, you know. Making it so that you can afford to take a family afford a ball game, right? More than once a season,
0: right? I mean it's it's a conjunction of those two things. People aren't going to pay high prices to watch a team that isn't trying.
1: And I, I mean, I, I had a conversation with some friends. I mean, I'm a college age student. You know, the key demographic for for these things. And my friends were like, "I like going to baseball games because I can afford it. They have student deals for me for for." At, at, at Red Sox games at least, where you can get $9 tickets and kid, people always want to go to these games. And so uh, if you make it affordability, I think even if you lose, if you're a losing team, people will still show up because it's something to do. It's a fun activity for an afternoon but, and you can still build a fan base that way. So I th- I think personally it's more embedded to you know the high prices that people just don't want to pay anymore.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, but the the big problem here is that Baseball is still making record revenue, even as attendance is going down, and even as teams aren't trying more and more. So mm-hmm. what incentive do they have to change? Exactly. But anyway, and that's... That, that seems like a very depressing note to end our our, uh, our podcast on, so we'll do that.
1: Yes. Well, thank you for listening. Uh, maybe we'll be more up – well – we were more uplifting this episode. Yeah, that's true. The, the next
0: played better, so at least we were positive about them.
1: Yeah. So we'll talk to you guys next week. Um,
0: All right. See you again. next week.